everybody. Welcome to episode 19 of Tunes Mates Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And this week, we had an opportunity to sit down with melodic guitar sensation, Neil Zaza. Now, it's interesting. Neil is a Northeastern Ohio native, but his music is actually transcended worldwide. He's had the opportunity to play with people that you love, Ray. I mean, he recorded an album with Stu Hamm. Mm-hmm. He also had an opportunity to do a song with Michael Anthony from Van Halen, which he mm-hmm. talked about as well. So his notoriety has really transcended from starting from a 1980s hard rock band that he fronted as a guitar player, but he actually had like a regional hit with it and then went off and has done instrumental music, a bunch of albums. So he did talk about how there's a big difference between the American audience and then the international audience, how they respond to the music, which I always think is interesting. And it probably happens a lot with many artists. Sure. I mean, it makes sense, right? That culture is different across different nations, across different regions. And even thinking about, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities between European societies and U.S. society. But at the same time, you know, there are some cultural and social differences there. And there are some taste differences there that are definitely part of the mix whenever we talk about anybody translating into an international artist. That's another whole part of this. We talk about music and the, the business of music and all that stuff. And there are folks who are national artists. And there are folks who, who really become international artists. There are folks who do better internationally than they do nationally and vice versa, just because of the types of taste cultures that we see. Yeah. And he was talking about how he thought it would be great to go on the road and let's do an instrumental version of Aha's Take On Me. <laughs> so he said he took it over, I guess, in Germany. It crushed. He went to China and everyone looked at him like, what is this? Is this one of <laughs> Neil's new songs? And they just kind of stared at him. And I think it is interesting how even the songs that you think are going to really transcend kind of hit. And that also led into, he started talking about how right now, because I asked him, I said, well, with this whole Corona virus, how is that treating you? Because he was supposed to be doing this huge tour over mm-hmm. in China and around the world. And he said, to be honest with you, it really was hard. And actually, some of his band members are from Italy. And because Italy was hit first, mm-hmm. they really could see this wave coming. And But then he said, well, I've actually had the opportunity to sit down and to write some new music. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting how this whole pandemic mm-hmm. has transcended and changed the way people even have approached writing music and approaching that now yeah i think it's interesting you're seeing a lot of artists who are they're doing youtube things they're doing just recording at home if you're a creative talent and you've got all this time at home in some ways that depending on who you are and your personality type that could be like a you know the the best thing in the world it's a chance to do hole up and work on material. But then, you know, we're seeing folks share with audiences too, putting stuff out there, uh, even chatting with one another. I think, uh, you know, you know, I, I follow Richard Marks and he's got this YouTube series that he does. And he, he did had Kenny Loggins on there one day and he, you know, he had um, Paul Stanley on there one day. And, and it's like, you get to see whole new parts of our, all of these artists because this is the part of their response to the pandemic is, Hey, I'm going to call up, you know, so-and-so who's my buddy, my friend, and we're going to chat for a while. And here's your chance to, to listen to what we have to say together, you know? And so 
like you said with Zaza, the idea that this is a chance to really sit and write some material. Yeah, and it started making me think. I know, you know, talking with Jim Brickman and some other creatives writing music, it takes a moment. I mean, when you're going to write a song, you have to be in the right mindset. It just doesn't happen. And Neil did say mm -hmm. that. But for him, I found it interesting. He started talking about that. He just really needs to clear his mind. That's how he can start writing music. And I know everyone's different, but it is interesting how this time for certain individuals really can be productive. And I think for fans, he's released a lot of music over the last few years. But I think this is for a lot of music artists, this is going to be a special time to, if the moment strikes, there is going to be a lot of released after this time period. Absolutely. Cool. Well, you know, without further ado, let's just go. We'll take a listen to Neil. I hope you enjoy the interview. It was interesting to catch up with him in his home studio while he is working on some new music. And we'll swing back after the interview and we'll close it out. All right, everybody. Well, welcome to another episode of Tunes Made. I'd like to welcome to the podcast legendary melodic guitar instrumentalist, Neil Zaza. Hey, nice to be here. Nice to be here. Excellent. Yeah, I know it's been a while. I, I remember the last time we did a face-to-face -face interview and went into a publication. And now, well, I guess we're both surviving this period. That's <laughs> <laughs> this craziness. That's right. That's right. Yeah. How are things for you? I know the world kind of got turned upside down with touring and everything. Yeah, it, um, listen, just as everyone that's in existence right now, you know, it's an inconvenience and I count myself and my loved ones lucky as to not have the virus or have had anyone that I know have it. But yeah, life has turned around and, and turned upside down. Certainly, I was actually on a US tour, a month long US tour uh, with the band. And, you know, we knew it was overseas and we we all kind of watched it coming and two of the guys in the band were from Italy so Italy obviously was a little bit ahead of the curve ahead of the United States in terms of dealing with all this so every well i want to say every morning but i would say every few hours there was an update because they would be on their phones as we're driving to the gig or at the gig what's the craziness now and they'd be like well they shut down the city they shut down this they you know school you know and really they were just kind of foreboding what was coming to the United States, you know, two, three weeks later. But just to get to the end of the story here, we had to cancel half the tour and then we had to uh, get them home before the, this travel ban went in effect. And it was just, it was really a nightmare. But listen, we're all safe and the two Italians are back. And I was supposed to be touring in China all of May. That's gone. So, you know, listen, but it's no different than everyone's work and employment and what they do. Everyone is is put on hold. So, you know, we just have to make the best of it, right? Yeah, and I've been watching your Instagram, so it sounds like you've been recording some new music, taking advantage of the time. Well, I'm going to say this, and uh, with all respect to, again, acknowledging it's a deadly thing and a lot of people are really hurting. And I just, I want to get that out there. I want to disclaim what I'm going to say here because I, I don't want to seem insensitive. I am loving this gift of time. For me, I was behind on a few projects that I'm working on. I'm sort of a, no one believes it when I say this, but I'm sort of an introvert, high-functioning introvert, as I like to say. I get up, I work on music until I go to bed. And then I get up again, and I'm in the studio working on music. So this, to me, is a gift of time because, you know, th think about it, Mark. If someone said, hey, the world is going to stop, basically, and you have a month or two or, you know, however long this is to catch up and 
Everything you, you've been saying you want to do or you don't have time for, you do now. It's pretty unbelievable. So I am sort of loving it, I have to say. I'm glad you're being productive with it. I mean, I you know, with your catalog, your last studio album was Peach, right? That's exactly right. So that's been five years. Yeah, it's been a... Well, you know, I also... That was the, the last, I'm air quoting when I say this, the last Neil record. But I've done One Dark Night, which was a, a few years in the making, and that came out what, two years ago, and I'm working on some new stuff now. So I'm always recording, and I'm always working on something, and the process always seems to be, it's a year or so from when I start something to when you know it's done. So we'll have some, I think as every musician or artist will have some output at the end of this you know, social distancing, for sure. Yeah, it's so interesting, though. I mean, I listen to the way you are writing music now, and I know there are times that inspire writing songs. Does it just come to you naturally like during this time where you can just click it on and just start writing? Or do you have to have specific things that inspire you to start putting together a project? That's a really, really good question. For me, I can't write on demand. Like, you know, and I'm not, um, I don't know exactly what the phrase is, but, you know, someone will see a beautiful sunset, say, and they're like, oh, I... I really want to write a song about that or, you know, um, and I'm not being facetious at all. I, I just, I never worked that way. For me, it's always about isolating, shutting off everything and getting into my own head. So in the past, before this isolation that we're all dealing with now, it would be, the, I would say the last three, four records were written on the road because you uh, would get to a hotel you uh, you know you check in, drop your bags off. Now you have some silence. No one's around. You know I don't turn the TV on. So I think it's always just about getting into my head, draining out all mm-hmm. of the you know now it's social media and cable news and all this stuff, and just finally being able to hear my own voice in my own head, and then I could get to work. So now I can do this at home because. Nothing's really going on around here, but making some music. So that's a good thing. So essentially, you have to kind of clear your mind. Talking to some some songwriters, like we were talking to Jim Brickman, and he was saying that he gets inspiration when he's playing on other instruments in a new town or a new environment right. that inspires. Him. Right. And then we we're talking with Holly Knight, who wrote a lot of the you know big hits in the eighties and nineties. Right. And she was saying that she just carries around in her wallet, you know, on her person, song titles. So a song title could help her. To inspire her so it's a lot of the titles that are doing it so when you're doing it it's literally you clear your mind and then things just pop in there yeah you know and in fact in the same line lineage of, of songwriters i read a great interview with diane warren a few years ago where she has a process every day she goes into this i guess it's a spare bedroom has had the same keyboard for years no great Pro Tools rig or anything like that. She has just a little recorder and she just puts the time in. And it's a process. It's like going to work. And basically the the gist of what she's saying is, you know, showing up is half the battle. Like you sit down, takes a little time to get into the zone, and then creativity kind of starts. So you really do have to kind of jumpstart things for sure. So yeah, it's interesting. The process, you know. And has it changed over the years? I mean, I know you started back in the 80s in a hard rock band and it was lyrical i mean you literally had a few hits with that band 
and then you switched over during that period to instrumental. I mean, has the process changed or is it still the same how you approach it? That's a really, really good question because normally when when people think of, you know, instrumental music, you may think of jazz or, uh, you know, like some shreddy neoclassical rock thing where it's just about the, uh, you know, the, the riffs and the arpeggios and stuff like that. Full disclaimer, I was really into that stuff as a young, young man, a young gun. It was all about playing fast and stuff like that. But now, you know, however long, the process has always been about, is it a song? And, you know, what I play, what would the singer do? So I view when I'm writing music now, not like, oh, this is one three-minute guitar solo. And uh, let me show you every riff I know. Now it's, uh, and it has been for some time, it's about what's the song? Let me play the melody. Here's the chorus. Here's the bridge. I approach it arrangement-wise just as I would if I was writing vocal music, but the guitar is the lead singer. So again, the bottom line is there has to be a song in there somewhere. It can't be just, you know, a blank palette of technical exercises or something like that. So is that the old man talking? I don't know. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff I love now, you know. I think it's a natural progression because, like you said, when you started, it was all about how fast can you go. Now it's, can I create a song that lasts? And I'm looking in your catalog and over the years, you definitely have transcended with your music. And But there's, is there a song that stands out in your catalog that you can't do when you perform live that you just people are clamoring for like you've got to do that song not really you know when i play there's certain songs that always have to get played like my and of course i'm air quoting with an eye roll i'm all right the hit that i have um that always has to be played now there are certain tunes like there's a song called bari and somewhere in time off a of peach yeah. we always have to do that one Title track, right? yeah first track that's exactly right so there, there's certain songs the thing that I always have to really watch is I have a lot of, because I like these pretty songs with pretty melodies and stuff. I have to watch when I do the live set that it's not like all slow and mid tempo songs. So I just have to be careful about that. Or, you know, we'll be putting these people to sleep a few songs in, you know, but um, you know. Yeah. I saw you live. It was, I don't know how many years ago. I think you were at the old hard rock cafe downtown and you did this, remake of Frankenstein. Right, right. I mean, the whole B3 organ and everything. And I could really tell that you'd like to getting into that. It was it was kind of funky. Are there any other remakes that you've been mixing into your shows lately that that you really have looked forward to playing? You know, we do, uh, depending on where we play. I did a bonus track for uh an album I did 212 and we did Take on Me. And it, and it started out as a joke because, you know, we know Take On Me by AHA is a, you know, a synthy pop 80s confection or something like that. But uh, I, I really kind of meddled it up. And so we do that all the time. And it's funny, though, different areas of the world, what they were exposed to and what songs they know. So, for instance, you do Take On Me in Europe. It's over. The roof is is collapsing. People are going crazy. I have to put it at the end of the set because once you release that song to the people, like they just, they go 
crazy. And that's a good thing. United States, we know it and everyone loves it and sings along. And But now when I was on tour in China, I thought, man, this is going to go over great. Europe, you know, we burned the roof down on this tune. Asia, China, they just kind of stare blankly and like, is this a, is this a new Zaza tune or something? So it's interesting what different areas like. So we also do, um, we end the, sh- the live show now with a version of Deep Purple's Highway Star. Of course, Europe, Deep Purple was huge there in the United States. So that works. So there's, there's a few little chestnuts I do pull out for sure. You know, so traveling worldwide, going all over the instrumental factor. So that, that leans in your favor. Do you think that's one of the, the highest ingredients of, of why the world has taken to Neil Zaza as, as transcended is because of the instrumental nature of your music? Or what have you pinned your, your finger on? Well, it is interesting because it's instrumental, you know, it, it can go over in different areas and in this. But I find that the differences in perception of music and the audience is very different continent to continent. So for instance, United States, and I, I don't mean this bad, I, you know, I, obviously I'm a United States citizen. I, I have some great fans and the, the crowds are, are really nice and all that. Having said that, United States for a show like me or Tony McAlpine or uh, someone that's a guitarist is normally a bunch of guitar players going to that show. So it's almost like a they go to check it out. You know, we always joke guitar players, they have their arms folded. Oh, I could do better than him. He sucks, you know, and, and all that. But that's United States. And and that's it, a kind of you're you're backed into a small niche corner. But now you go to Europe or you go to Asia. Now every demographic will come out to the show. So it's not just mm-hmm. Frustrated guitar players that want to tell their their girlfriends how much better they are than you in Europe or Asia, like they come to to see the the show and they come to listen to the music and the demographic. So, say in the United States, demographic is mostly male, but again, Europe, Asia, demographic is male, female, old, older to young. So it's a more well rounded demographic. You know why is this? I don't know. It's, it's they seem to view music not just that you're playing guitar, but they're listening to what you're actually doing. It's like going to see a like someone in the United States, it would be a bunch of painters watching someone paint and saying, Oh, look at the brush stroke and look at the color he chose. Whereas overseas, they'll be like, Wow, I really love the painting itself. And I don't know if they're as concerned about the process or not. So interesting. Yeah. And yeah. One of the stats that jump out to us, and the reason we started our blog was that people tend to listen to the same music over and over. Music you grew up with, you hit a plateau, you look at Spotify or some of these streaming services, you just kind of stick there. So we always want to introduce new songs or or artists that people haven't even thought about. And That's right. Part of that, when I start hearing how the world thinks of music, I wonder, because a lot of the stats we look at are probably United States stats where we we hit a plateau. And I wonder if there's a difference there. And when people are are getting exposed to Neil Zaza, is there some album or song or something you say, hey, you should start here. This is how you're going to understand what I do and how I connect with people. Is there something that you point people to? It's a really great perspective you bring up. Because I've been doing it for a while now. So I, you know, I think every 
artist, performer, thinks their newer stuff is the best stuff, you know? But I would certainly, for me, if I could break it into eras, like the first few records, the, the early era of what I was doing is certainly more technique, young gun, show off, not as much songs, you know? So I would steer people away from that era of me because I don't think it, mm-hmm. it it's like a different person. It, it's a different era. I would say anything from, for me, staring at the sun was like the first time, all right, we're going to write some songs here. And, uh, you know, that record, we had Steve Smith and Ross Valley from Journey playing on it. Amazing. My favorite project to this date, now, you know, I know you're not supposed to have favorites because they're all your children and, you know, you should love them equally. But I love my record 212. I thought the songwriting really came together. The production really came together on that. It seems to be the high bar that I aim for now. Peach, I'm real, I'm really, 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 really happy with Peach. So I don't know, one of those three would certainly be a good jump off point for people. Yeah. So right now when you're building your record, you're you're thinking about that or it's like you said, it's it's one of those Right. They're your children. You want to treat them nicely. But at the same point, you want to come out of this musical creation period with something that can be on par with those. And what's interesting is, you know, one of the things that's that always seems to interest me is you've had a annual holiday show that you do. When it comes to the holiday music, how did that all start? And is there still plans to continue that tradition? Yeah, it's a great question. The holiday show was one silent night. And yeah. that actually started it really not to belittle what it the inception of it, but that was a joke with family members. Like there's a family member that did craft shows like EJ Thomas and Pittsburgh. And I would sit there and watch these, uh, these old blue hair ladies walk by, you know, buying these arts and crafts things. And I always joked, they go, man, if I put a, a Christmas album together, man, I, I could sell that here and I would make a million bucks. And it was just always a joke. Oh, this year's I'm, I'm doing a Christmas record. So long story short, uh, I had some extra time and I did volume one and volume two of one silent night at the same time. And it just turned into what it was, which is we did it at Playhouse Square for, uh, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 years. And then we took it to Roxino for three years. And so now it's a little bit on ice because I have something else going called One One Dark Night, which is an orchestral classical thing. But, you know, it's again, the theme is. It's always about finding the good tunes and the good melodies. And, you know, so that is really was a celebration of that holiday music, but how I view it in terms of, you know, rocking it up and giving that beautiful song some power and some teeth, you know. Now, the One Dark Night, is is that an homage to another holiday or what's what's the story behind that? Well, I did the uh, the inception of that was I did a guest solo spot with the Akron Symphony. We did Dance Macabre. And uh, again, it all, everything starts out as a joke, I guess, right? So the joke was, man, we rock these tunes up. We could really do something with them, you know, because I had just done the violin part on guitar with the orchestra. So I went in the studio, uh, you know, worked here for about a year uh, with my buddy, uh, Dave Kempers, who is part of the Akron Symphony. And he did all the string arrangements and stuff. And and so now what that is, is it's, you know, heavy Gothic classical music performed with an orchestra 
with a, a full rock band. And we have a big multimedia element involved with it where uh, there's big screens and there's a story that goes with it, the story, the, the monster within, which is, you know, we as a society love our Hollywood monsters like Dracula and Frankenstein and all that. But, you know, maybe these these monsters are just projections of the real monster, which is within each of us. So it's real. I'm really proud of it. Musically, it's uh, we have to start rehearsing it months before we do it because the music is so difficult but i love it and looks like we're going to be doing it a few times this year of course it, it kind of got put on halloween because of the monster element but it was never meant to be a halloween thing it was meant to be a year-round exploration of man's inner dark self but you know they put in a halloween so it seems like a halloween thing now that's amazing yeah it's- so I guess we just have to find another joke. You know, we we got to come up with another. Uh... <laughs> everything, everything was a joke. Take on me. It started out as, as a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Then went, uh, went silent night, went dark night. So Maybe we can do a St. Patrick's Day album or something. You know, yeah, man, uh, come on, uh, exactly, exactly. That's interesting. It is fun how lately artists doing a lot of mashups and combining a lot of things together too, a lot of elements. And right. it sounds like you know from your all your exploits, everything you're working on, it's coming together. You're working with a lot of great people. You've had the opportunity to not only you know, work with, with the greats. I mean, I saw that you even had, you know, wasn't Stu Ham on one of your records? I mean, he's- yeah, Stu Ham was on Staring at the Sun and a big thrill for me being a Van Halen child. I always say I play guitar because I heard Van Halen one and it changed my life. Michael Anthony, a while back played on one of my records and that was insane having him in the studio and we were playing, we were jamming apart and uh, he just like, I was, I did a little solo and he, he was like, yeah, like, you know, giving me encouragement. He was into it, you know? And for a second I was in this feedback loop, like, all right, hang on. So Michael Anthony was digging what I was doing, but the only reason I'm doing this is because I copped it off of Eddie Van Halen. So, so he's like, and, and it was like a big, it was, it was awesome. So uh, I had a chance to work with Jordan Rudis from Dream Theater. Yeah, it, it's been, it's been really cool. I've been fortunate. Yeah. Well, I mean, your catalog speaks for itself. You name some of the records people need to drop. I even <laughs> have some homework now, you know, being a fan myself, I got to jump on and take a listen to some of these tracks. now. On Tunes and Mate, we've got a couple things. I want to throw a title title at you, which is we have three songs that have all the same title, but they are different artists and they're different songs. So the song we have up this title this time is called Hey Baby. So we've got Bruce Channel's song from the 60s. You may remember that one. Right. There's another song from the 80s by Henry Lee Summer. (laughs) It's called Hey Baby. Right. And then we've got Hey Baby by No Doubt was from the 90s now if you had to pick one of those three songs do any of those jump out to you i probably believe it or not the henry lee summer one because i remember that clearer than than the other two but i don't know what that says but yeah i would say the second one for sure crazy well it was highest charting hit believe it or not we were looking at it the other day because we always do chart history and i was like that that's amazing that was the one that everyone resonated with and as we continue to you know evolve and and move forward you're working on new music i know you also do you've got instructional videos you've got a guitar line is there anything else that any other projects outside of the new music you're working on that you would like your audience or fans to know about i think you've got it all we will and i'm not being trying to be vague or 
you know, elusive or mysterious, but we were supposed to debut a new project coming up in December here, even something bigger than One Dark Night. And uh, so that's what I'm working on now. Now I say that and I can't, I don't I can't really talk anything more about it until it gets confirmed and of course because of this the situation with the virus situation we're in you know we're waiting on these theaters that we were talking to but that's what I'm working on now but I can't tell you about it so how about that we'll sit on the edge of our seats right right so right you can find out information at Neil Zaza you you're on Twitter Instagram I mean you name it Facebook yeah we can, exactly. we can connect and find out more about you well Neil, it's been great catching up. It's it's exciting to hear everything you're working on. And it's great. If you haven't dived into Neil's music, you have plenty of places to start now. There's no excuses. <laughs> so that's right. Thanks for joining us, Neil. And best of luck to you and everything that you work on in the future. All right, Mark. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Take care. All right. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the interview. You know, Ray, it's fascinating. On that interview, I did ask Neil. We have a title title up there right now. We have three songs. Hey, baby. We have the number one hit from Bruce Channel from the 60s. Then we have Hey, Baby by Henry Lee Summer and No Doubts, Hey, Baby. Neil picked Henry Lee Summer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What did you pick? So I really like Henry Lee Summer. If it were, I wish I had a girl, you know, there was some song (laughs) against that one. You know, somebody else had a song cut. I mean, and honestly, all three of these are great songs. The No Doubt one is so memorable. You know, it's got so many just uses and it just sticks out to you. But I love Bruce Channel's Hey Baby. It's just got such such a, a classic feel to it. I have memories of it playing on all these stations and um, its use in films and, and stuff. And I just, uh, I'd, I have to go with Channel. But I got to tell you, this is a tough one. Yeah. Surprisingly, we are aligned this week. I picked the same exact tune and I had similar reasons. I just kept thinking if there was a song and you heard it and you wanted to hear it in the background, wherever you were, this is the song that I'd want to hear. It would put me into a mood that would one reminisce, but just make me very, very happy. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it definitely, this was a hard one and I think as we continue doing title title, and you've had some hard ones in the past too, where there is a specific title that really has a lot of top caliber hits. And I think as we keep doing this, I, it is interesting how these particular songs (laughs) can come up from time to time. And I'll give it, I mean, I'll give it to Zaza. I mean, it it was hard for me to go against Henry Lee Summer. I mean, I, that, I like that song and I, I totally get him picking that one. So uh, you're right. I mean, some of these title titles, I always think, I think one of the first ones we ever ran years ago was crazy. And there's, you know, there's a bunch of songs with crazy as the title. I'm partial to Ice House, but you know, Seal and um, Aerosmith. And I think it was uh, Patsy Cline, right? Yeah. Patsy Cline. Thank you. I'm trying to think of, you know, it's good Patsy Cline's name just wouldn't come to me. But yeah, I mean, all of those, the, the Patsy Cline, the Ice House and the Seal between the three of those. I'm like, I love that Ice House song. If I didn't love that Ice House song as much as I did, it'd be like a three-way tie, you know? And, oh, and then um, forget Gnarls Barkley too, you know? I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, how do you pick? <laughs> you can't. That's that's why I go with mashups, you know, just slam them all together in one song. I'm good. Yeah. And the Tay Baby was another one, you know, it was. It was really tough to go against any of those songs, but in the end, uh, Bruce Channel kind of 
for the exact reasons you talked about that happiness. It's got this, this sort of feel to it, this nostalgic kind of feel. Yeah. And what I really liked about picking these songs and talking to Neil Zaza about just that, those three songs is it brings us back to tunes, mate, the core of it. Everyone has songs that will trigger for them, whether it's, Hey baby, crazy, whatever it is, it takes you back somewhere. It remembers you remember how you felt at that time. And I think that's the same thing. Listening to instrumental music, listening to music period, when it's one of those periods we want to get through and you restarted a great new series that I think everyone should check out. If you're not checking out the series that Rick, tell us about the new series that is now on. It's music to help us get through everything together. It's a long title. I I tried to, to simplify it more, but I just couldn't catch the feeling I wanted by making it shorter. And I had been thinking about this. uh, Oh gosh, it's been what two or three, a few, you know, a few weeks now I've been doing this. And I had been thinking about this idea of, you know, everybody's going through so much stuff and people are, they're anxious, they're depressed, they're, they have fear that, you know, all these different emotions we're all feeling. And, and I, you know, I think of songs that would help me feel better. And, and I was kind of thinking about, boy, you know, I'd love to just throw one up on Twitter every day or something. And, and of course, as soon as I thought, I'm like, you know, maybe I should start a, a thing on TunesMate. And, and then somebody, Living Color, uh, the band Living Color, who I love, they posted something the one day about, you know, stay calm and listen to Living Color was their thing. And and I was like, you know what, I'm going to start with them. And so uh, Solace of You, I think, is a great song from there. It's from the, uh, their second album. And I love that song. And I was like, okay, we'll start with this. And then I went with my my sort of go-to one is Put a Little Love in Your Heart by Annie Lennox and Al, and Al Green. And then, you know, I've just every day, every day, and I, I try to get some days I don't get it done till the night before, even the morning of. And some days I'm able to think of two, three, four in a row that I want to do. And so I've been trying to get them up there and at least get one up there. And at five o'clock uh, Eastern time every morning, I uh, want to come up there and just trying to capture stuff. And, you know, it might be hit or miss. Some songs, you know, somebody might be, I never heard of this song. It doesn't do anything for me. Or, you know, there's always the chance you, you do a song. And for once for somebody, it maybe, you know, sort of triggers a memory that maybe, you know, somebody's gone or thing. And, you know, so, you, you know, you're not, you're not going to hit it with every song, but I'm really trying. I'm trying to find songs that either they speak to love or peace, or they just, they feel, they make us feel good. So doing like Justin Timberlake's Can't Stop the Feeling or something stuff that, that just was, it's meant to sort of just help our spirits that day. And that's, yeah, so it's, that's the whole impetus. And I'm, I'm hoping I can keep it up for as long as we're all uh, dealing with this. Yeah, Ray. I mean, I got to tell you, it's been great. And actually, as a matter of fact, we started a playlist on our Spotify channel that is tracking all these songs. And I, I've been listening to it. It's, it's really great. And what tipped B was the same thing, mm-hmm. Ray, that living color song. I don't know what it is with that song. I never saw the video before either. So when you posted it, I watched it like five times that day. And it is just something about certain songs. And now with the playlist, I can listen to them all and just kind of enjoy them. And you you put in the other day, Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. And you've had everything from Louis Armstrong to Living Color. You even had something in there the other day that really got me. it was was it Brian Eno? There's an instrumental. Yeah, yeah, the Brian Eno, uh, the one they used that when NASA's used that song for for like a you know space exploration video and stuff. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, it's been great. So we're here to support you. And Ray, you've done a great job. If you need a little extra kick during this time, highly recommend following that series, listening to the music. And that's our job here is we want to continue to inspire you, not only with this podcast, but great posts and information on the blog. So make sure to follow us. TunesMate, follow the podcast, type that in to URL. We're on every social media platform you can think of. Follow us, subscribe to us. We appreciate your support. And from all of us here at TunesMate, I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And we will see you next time. <laughs>